Hi, it's Gabby Reese, and this podcast is powered by Laird Superfood. It was created in our kitchen by my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton, and it all started with a simple idea. What began as Laird's secret for long-lasting energy on the waves is now Laird Superfood, offering a full range of delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and more. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 and save 20% on your first order. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste, the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. The Craig Ferguson Fancy Rascal Tour comes to these following places this very week. November the 2nd, Skokie, Illinois. November the 4th, Minneapolis. Two shows that night and I'm shooting a special. Nice. November the 5th, Madison, Wisconsin. November the 6th, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. For a full list of dates, please go to my website, thecraigfergusonshow.com slash tour. My name is Craig Ferguson. The name of this podcast is Joy. I talk to interesting people about what brings them happiness. Today we're chatting with Pete Holmes. He's a stand-up comedian, he's a philosopher, and he's a friend of mine. His new comedy special is out on Netflix. It's called I'm Not For Everyone, and I like it because I'm also not for everyone. Here's Pete. the thing well i don't think i think time is an imposition on reality explain and death i don't think time exists it's okay. it's a uh, vehicle it's like we've landed on the moon mm-hmm. and the way that we can move and interact with the the moon is driving that little rover thing i think that little rover thing is time it's merciful if everything happened to you all at once it would be like like you know 2001 a space audit it would be mm. overwhelming so graciously, we're given this kind of like slow pace, but I think death isn't so much the end of you as the end of time and the end of your identity as yourself. But I think it expands into what it always was, which is a still point of infinite potential. You know, the the astrophysics <laughs> of Sorry, what you're saying... Sorry, I have saying, some cocaine to do. <laughs> no, no, no. The astrophysics <laughs> of what you're saying are actually surprisingly accurate. Is that right? Contemporary thinking, yeah. That everything exists all the time and that yeah. the humans... We narrativize it. Right. We've turned it into something to help us cope. Right. Absolutely. Um, but it's it doesn't exist like that. Well, as Eckhart Tolle, Troblon? Toblerone, I think. Eckhart, Eckhart Toblerone yeah. said, ask, a, uh, ask an eagle what time it is before yeah. people were on the planet. Like, mm. just ask a fucking fish what time it is. It's, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. I watch myself teach that to my daughter. My daughter's five. And it's kind of sad, but I kind of have to. I'll go like... What was your favorite part of your day? And I'm teaching her to build a meaning system of past, present, future. I think that's a fair thing to do as a you, parent. No, you have to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, yeah. You, we have to do it. Yeah. But uh, we don't have to do it as much as we do it. But, you know, you can get in touch with it. That's one of the... See, these aren't just interesting thought experiments. They're the cessation of your worries. Like, if you can really experientially know, like capital K, know, that it's all now, it's all sort of, uh, so hard to talk about. No, you it's, vanish, and, and with, with all that vanishing, all your, your pain and fear goes away. You know, the, the early Christian theologians, in particular, Origin of Alexandria, I ECTs? think. ECTs? Mm-hmm. <coughs> they, that's exactly who I'm talking about. The early Christian theologians. ECTs. They would explain 
the virgin birth away in that particular, it was nothing to do with morality or yeah. sex. Yeah. It was to do with the fact that there was a young woman and then there was a young woman who had a baby and it just happened just like that because that's how the universe is. Mm. And there was no time. That's That was the intellectual and theological thinking behind yeah. the concept of the virgin birth. Metaphorical stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I used to say, I didn't put this in my book, but I wanted to put it in my book. It was like, I used to think when I was write young. Write another book. I'll write another book. Yeah. Just give me five minutes. Okay. Chat GPT, write a book in the voice of Pete Holmes. <laughs> Does it? <laughs> it's terrible. Well, it's a start. It's a first it. draft. It's first draft time. is always the hardest. Oh. Chat GPT, I'd like an hour and a half of Craig Ferguson material. Okay. Now I'll rewrite it, make it good. Uh, I think it's hilarious. That comedians make fun of ChatGPT. It's mm -hmm. like they're like, and it said, <laughs> it said strawberry was a fruit or whatever. I'm like, right. guys, it's incredible that it said anything. Like, yeah, no, it's like, amazing. Yeah. And these jokes won't last uh, very long. Anywho's a woozo. I was saying when I was a fundamentalist growing up, you were. Yeah, just meaning a literalist. Just meaning I believe that the Bible was a literal, like a historical, like a science book, worse than a historical document. Right. Because I do think the Bible is history interwoven sure. with metaphor but which makes it very confusing <laughs> it's also it's allegorical in its style so that's very difficult as and well and it's semitic in its style yeah, too yeah. you know who explained it to me there uh, alexander shia who's who is like an expert in uh, metaphor and mythology he explained it to me like this he goes in semitic storytelling which is what the new testament is or the old testament as well if somebody is talking to a poor person you tell them a story about losing five dollars if you're talking to them Ted Serenos, you talk, tell a story about losing $10 million. Like, that detail doesn't matter at fucking all. The other point I tried to make in my book is like, ah, oh, fuck, I can't remember it. But we know this in music. Like, in music, we're using, like, poetry and things to help us understand a feeling. Can you hear the drums for Mando? Was that the lyric? Yeah, there you go. Right, okay. It was that, actually. Mm -hmm. It was a Ray Charles lyric about the weather. And it was something about it, it's raining when she's gone or something. And we were like, we know he doesn't mean it's raining. Right, she's gone. right, right. It, they had a, a, just a different understanding. When I was writing one of my books, I said that in Scotland, all women were called Margaret until 1974. Now, I didn't mean that in Scotland, all women were called Margaret until 1974. What I meant was, yeah. in 1974, I began to think about sex. That's really funny. And so... Yeah, that's exactly that, right. And that's that's what it is, right? Yeah. What would they make of Harry Potter? You know, like a, a future civilization looking at our time would also have to sift through similar degrees of, you know, bullshit. If mm. you're looking at it scientifically. And that's what we're doing. So anyway, there was a time when I believed that the Bible... The point of the Bible was like the facts and seven days and right. physical death and resurrection. I actually had the list. It was virgin birth, sinless life, physical death and resurrection, uh, that sort of, like, those were non-negotiables. Things like you couldn't be a part of this group and not believe in those things. Right. I don't feel that way anymore. But my fantasy when I was in high school was like, I wish there had been video cameras and recording devices when Jesus was alive. And now I'm like, what, and ruin it? Yeah. And fucking ruin it? Sure. You know what I mean? Like, I know it's weird to kind of equate Batman and Jesus, but I'm about to. I, you, you'll always find a friend here, <laughs> Pete, if you do that. Well, remember in Batman Begins? Sure you do. Where they're, where they're telling him he can be a symbol. Yeah. Symbols are powerful. Carl Jung, pretension alert. Um, no, 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 no. Carl Jung's very important. He's right. Yeah, very important. We're transformed by symbols. Mm -hmm. We think it's the... You know what I was just talking to my wife about? By watching things online, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube even, mm -hmm. that summarize things to their point. Mm-hmm. We're actually, I'm learning that the point isn't the point. The point isn't the resurrection or the or the virgin birth even. Correct. The point is, it's like thinking, Alan Watts said this. He goes, the point of your life is life. You know what I mean? It's like, it's this moment, it's today, it's what you're doing now. It's like a, a piece of music. It's like, we think the end of the life is like the last note. That's like the point or or the summation or something. No, it's it's the whole flow of the symphony. In the same way, you could summarize this podcast to the points. Maybe we'll make some interesting points. Maybe we'll, oh, we learned that thing about Harry Potter and reduce it into a three-minute thing. But the point was actually like being lulled into our space. That's what art is. Come in. This is what it was like when Craig and Pete started talking. 
and it, and it's kind of like oh they're they're looking for jokes or what's this uh, cancel and it, it's about the point isn't the point is my point i agree and i i actually think what's quite interesting about it is that when people want to do that i have i i have a theory of when it began mm. and it's crib notes crib notes oh like crib cliff notes no- yes yeah. cliff notes for mtv cribs Crib notes, this is my house, this is where the action happens, yeah, yeah. these are my sneakers. <laughs> but you can get through an episode of Cribs in like three seconds and, with Crib and, Notes. And you with Crib Notes, you're fine. They call them Crib Notes in my country, I think, although my country, to be honest, is Manhattan. But still, yeah. they call it Crib Notes or Cliff Notes or wherever yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. To summarize, to take something like, I don't know, um, let's go with Great Expectations, sure, uh, which is uh, is a book which I didn't write it, I, I will admit. It, it, it would have been vastly improved with the line, in France, all women were called migre. Until, yes, 1780. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that trying to boil down things and to make them accessible, to put them into bite-sized chunks, is to miss the point of them completely. Absolutely. And life is the same. That I used to skip introductions to books because I was like, just fucking get to get it. on with the book. And now it's like I think it's something to do with getting older, hopefully a little bit wiser. You're like, it's actually the foyer of the house is like just as important as the dining room. In many ways, more important more because important. you know the foyer is a little bit of individuality and strangeness and welcome to my world. Yeah. The Craig Ferguson Fancy Rascal stand-up tour continues this fall. For tickets, go to thecraigfergusonshow.com slash tour. See you on the road! Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. When Dr. Sabah and I decided to do a skincare line together, he said to me, we are going to give women meaningful beauty. And I said, that's exactly right. We want to give women meaningful beauty, which means each and every product is meaningful. It has a a reason to exist. It's efficacious. You're going to get results. And then you just go out and live your life. Meaningful beauty. Confidence is beautiful. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. What up, everyone? It's Lunchbox from The Bobby Bone Show, and I'm here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car, like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive. You can count on your new Camry to get you anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. (sighs) Celebrate the end of your workday with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as another busy Thursday flies by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. I used to love, and I still do actually, and and I wrestle with this, the first lines of books, very important. Yeah, I agree. Just to create, to let you know what's coming, right? Yeah. That's that's what it is. It's not, it doesn't sum up the book, but my favorite one was always the start of 1984. It was a bright, cold day in April, and the clocks were striking 13. <laughs> that's great. What the fuck yeah. is good? Something yeah. is deeply wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And That's great. I love the idea. Like people always say, call me Ishmael. And I'm like, well, that one I don't really... I, I mean, it's, it's a great book and I love it. It's a fucking masterpiece. But yeah. the first line, I don't understand why it's so great. Yeah. But when there are lines in, in you know, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. Okay. Yeah. It was life. Yeah. Life was un, was was unfolding as it always does. 
And here's what was happening at this point yeah, yeah, in yeah, yeah. the ever-expanding universe. Yeah, that's right. I feel the same way about stand-up specials. In fact, that's my number one criticism Okay, is me going, that's how you started? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And I know this sounds stupid. I'm going to use myself as an example, but I miss this opener. One of my specials I'm really thinking about, I think it was, um, it was called Faces and Sounds. I open by smiling. I look at the audience. I let the applause die down, and I go, sometimes I get scared. And I'm like, that that was it. That's a great beginning. I love that. That's a, a great beginning. start to a book. I miss I know. Sometimes I get scared. Yeah. I had a fake opening to a book about my life, which I've used in other things. But it's uh my father was an oil man, but our house was always cold. Which it, I That's thought great. I thought that while I was in our freezing ass house. Yeah. And I was like, my dad delivers home heating oil. <laughs> and there's there's a real That's you great. get it, right? Like you I, see I, a disconnect. The last one that I book that I completed, I'm still <laughs> not writing another one. But the last one that I completed, I woke up with the first line in my head and the book came from that. Wow. I, I woke up in the morning, I was like, oh my God, that's a book. And it was in the time before I loved you, I never thought of the world as precious. Oh my God. That needs a warning. Yeah. You need a warning. Yeah, I know. It was crazy. And what's crazy about that, Craig, was that before you said, I just thought of the line in the book came from that, I thought, well, that's like Cormac McCarthy, who he didn't say that he channeled his books. I'm not saying he's channeled his books. I am saying he wrote them like he didn't know it was happening. Stephen King's talked about that, too. Yeah. And I I think that's a real thing. I I think I do. I would use the word channeling. Like, he's tapping into a pure creative space that is kind of available to us. His antenna was just very, very precise and found the story, but he's writing it and he doesn't know what's going to happen. But in the book, The Road, there's a similar line about the boy, his son. Uh, it's it's not, it, I'm not saying, oh, it's right. too much. It's not that. I'm saying it's something like, something like if the boy wasn't precious, then preciousness didn't exist or something. Right. Very, very beautiful in a similar beautiful way. Beautiful And line. it was channeled from... And you're also getting yeah, the same sort of message. Yeah, I must have been in message. the same oasis or something. We're talking about your friend Carl Jung, the theory of the collective unconscious. Well, that's the, the, right. And I think that it's interesting because I've written three books, so I'm going to tell you the third opening line, or this was from the first the first book I wrote, it was the novel. And the opening line of the book, which I was very proud of, was cloven-hoofed creatures walked this way. That's the opening line of the book. And then I became convinced that it was also the opening line of Sting's autobiography. <laughs> I don't know why, so I had to go and find a copy of Sting's autobiography. Wait, what do you mean? That just occurred to you? Yeah, I, I became obsessed that it was the opening line of Sting's autobiography. Out of nowhere? Out of nowhere. And I, wow. couldn't, I couldn't rest until I found out. I didn't have a copy at home. This is before you could just find it on the internet. So I had to go to a bookstore and find a copy of Sting's autobiography and see if it was there. It wasn't, thank God. But Imagine I became convinced. The first line was, <laughs> Or Roxanne. Did you like the police? No. No, I never did either. In fact, mm. it's kind of funny that you ask. When I'm stressed... Which isn't often, but if I go, if the dark dog is visiting, I hear you. I fucking hate music, and my what? just just repetitive pop music. Like right. That. So if you, I remember being in the car with my mom. I'm in the back seat, and the police are on, and um, they're sending out an SOS. Yes, I know the song. And I'm in the back, and terrible it must, song. it's a terrible song, mm. and it must say sending out an SOS. I'm going to guess conservatively 372 times. Like it just. Oh, yeah, it just repeats it over and And I don't again. even know that I'm having a generalized anxiety disorder. Right. But I am. Sure. I'm a child and I'm fucking stressed out. And I'm harping on that they won't stop saying it. And every time they say it, I'm like, that's got to be the last time. And then they say it again. Mm. And at some point, I just go, ah. And my mom goes, what? Because she's having a generalized anxiety <laughs> disorder of her own. And I'm like, they just won't stop saying, sending out an SOS. I learned a profound lesson that day that, like, not everyone's having your experience. Some people, it's just background music. I hear you on the music thing, though. It's quite interesting. There's never a point where I could say, I don't like music. But there's definitely been a point where I can't listen to contemporary music. Yeah. Uh, like, this is just this is just garbage. Oh, no. If I'm having a generalized anxiety disorder and you mm. put on The National, in fact, that's why I listen to There's music that, like, saves me from that feeling. Mm-hmm. But my daughter is five, and I love her to death, and I will listen to whatever she wants to listen to. And she wants to listen to, like, fucking ice cream. What is that? 
And if you're right. having a rough day, that sounds scary. That music makes me want to die. <laughs> it's it's funny because both my boys, and particularly the youngest one, he wouldn't listen to kids' music. I'd put it on and be like, uh, "No, no, no!" Really? And then his mother, Megan, <laughs> would put on uh, Joy Division because he uh, he's him. like, "I'd ah, relax." He'd be like, "Yeah." That's so cool. Can I tell you that my one of my daughter's favorite songs, and here's the weirdest part, I like it too. There is some pop music I like, and it really burrows into my brain. And It's almost like I like music too much, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like sometimes I go, I don't like music, but really it's because... Well, it's too big a subject to say music, because look, it's like saying Basquiat, right, who said, art is how we decorate space, music is how we decorate time. So oh, wow. it's as big as a word is art. You can't, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. So you can't say really music. You have to. You have to be more specific. That's fair. Do you want to hear my quote about art? Yes. I hope you enjoy it. I go. Art is highly sensitive people reporting back to the group what reality is like for them, and that's how I feel. That's really good. You like that? Yeah, I do like that's that. The line it's, it's, new book. Is it really? I'm just kidding. It should be. It should be. That's a good line. What kind of book are you going to write? I have notes for another book about spirituality. I like writing books that only a handful of people would like to read. May I recommend yeah. uh, literary fiction? Because I've written one and I'm halfway through another, and, you and love it. nobody reads that <laughs> shit. So, uh, but you like it. I I yeah. read it. It's very important. And it, no, I it, mean you like the process of writing it. Like I do, because yeah. it's the only way you're going to find out what happens. Yeah, there you go. And Cormac McCarthy. Yeah, yeah, I mean, but but oh, oh, look, I'm not comparing myself to Cormac McCarthy, but he's dead. Uh, he won't mind. Yeah, but he has acolytes. Oh, that's right. And they'll mind. Droves. Yeah. Yeah, no, we won't. I won't compare myself you to... You did compare yourself to Herman Melville on my podcast, but... Um, I said my book was better. Go on. <laughs> go on, then. <laughs> I did. I only compared myself to Herman Melville, not in the literary stage. Just because he was overlooked. Yeah, yeah, well, he was a bit, to be fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, in his lifetime. In his lifetime. But here's an interesting thing, because I was thinking about that only... Did I talk to you about this on the on your podcast? That I went to the Van Gogh exhibition in yes, the Yes, you did. And talking about medication. No, you didn't. You talked about the Andy Warhol, and you loved the gift shop. I, I did love the Andy Warhol Tell me about shop. the Van Gogh. So I'm looking at the Van Gogh exhibition in the Met, and it's, it is transcendent. The art is it's unbelievably beautiful. Really? And wow. It's heartbreakingly gorgeous, wonderful art. Van Gogh's? Van Gogh's. But I thought to myself, I wonder, because clearly Van Gogh, if he had lived now, could have been helped with contemporary medications. Yes. And I wonder what he would, I think he would have preferred the medication. Well, I always think about this poem. There was an Irishman, an Irish poet who came on my podcast over 10 years ago, so I'll forgive myself for not remembering. Right. But he's like asking a poet for another poem is to ask for his heart to be broken, basically. And, and that's kind of what you're saying. Yeah. It's an, it's a it's a very interesting topic. I have some friends, people that I know that went on like very strong anti-anxiety medication mm -hmm. and and I'm not trying to put that down. I'm no, saying not I'm at saying all. we need to get the dose right because some of these people I miss them. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm like, "Oh, it turns out like my friend Joe called me this week and he was just shopping for groceries in Manhattan and we just talked fucking nothing, just making each other laugh." Mm -hmm. And the subtitles on for that conversation were like, "I'm here, are you here?" I'm a little afraid. Are you afraid? Yeah, I'm afraid. And if I wasn't afraid, look, I, mental illness is a real thing. I'm just going to say that one more time. Yes, it is. And we need help. Yep. And we need all the help we can get. Sure. I'm just saying, like, dial it in. And everybody would agree with that. If there gets a point where, like, if I can't, you're docking on me now. We're bonding now right. over anxiety. Right. We're helping each other with our anxiety. And if I was completely... Flat. Nobody wants to be flat. No, but if you are writing, to kind of extend the metaphor in a rather clumsy way, but if you're on a very bumpy airplane and it gets smooths out for a while, it's yeah. a fucking relief. Um, I know. I, I probably shouldn't even be talking about this because I don't know. Right. You know? Well, look, you're, I, don't, I, you're, you're, I think people should relax a little bit. You're allowed to have an opinion. The only thing is... Just because you have an opinion doesn't you don't mean, have to hold on to it. And also, it doesn't have to be. It's just, it's, it's not right. Yeah. You know, I'm not claiming. I'm just saying. Look, this is what I think. Yeah. But I will preface it with: I'm not a doctor, I'm not a priest, I'm not you, and I'm not in your situation. I'm in my right, situation. Right, right. And I think that 
the danger with the, the current orthodox drive for everyone to agree is that, but if everyone agrees, or if you only are comfortable talking to people you agree with, you're not going to expand your experience. Right. And if you can't expand your experience, is it really, are you really going to learn anything? Well, we're not, they're not good examples. There's examples of haters who hate everything. And then there is like kind of, I do see a trend where you're not even allowed to not like something. Have you seen this? Like something comes out and you're like, well, we're not allowed to not like that. I feel that way about <laughs> cannabis. <laughs> yeah, I think we talked about yeah, this. Man, I'm so you sick can't of talk shit about weed. Yeah, it's like everybody's like, weed is the fucking savior of the earth. I'm yeah. like, oh, come on, yeah, it's yeah, fucking yeah. weed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, get a fucking job, happy. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. get it. <laughs> The, the, it's like, I've got to love weed. I never liked weed when I was doing drugs. Drug. Yeah, I didn't yeah. like weed. And yeah. now that I don't do drugs, now I've got to like weed. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. No. That's a very good example. You're not, but I thought you were going to say that Van Gogh, had he been medicated, wouldn't have made the, the art. And that, I don't know if he would have or he wouldn't, but I feel like. But I would wager that he wouldn't. I think you're probably right. He might have made better or different art. I don't know. It's different incon- art. It's inconceivable he would have done anything better, but, but it's, it would have been different. Yeah. I would, to that, I would say my best stuff comes from a clear, spacious place in me, not an agitated, angry place. I might write something agitated and angry, but my best jokes come from a place of, you know. I don't, I don't think you know. Because, uh, well, that's I, fair. I'm just saying I wasn't yeah. depressed when I came up with the best jokes. Right. You, you weren't depressed when you came up with it, but the process and it getting to the joke, it. it may have, may have cooked it up that's earlier very on. Good. Yeah. And, yeah, I, and I think good. that to discount, see, I, th- my secret feeling, I even hesitate to say this because I know I'll get into trouble for saying it, but because the role of being a victim is now fetishized a little bit, sure. that there seems to be an urge to pathologize every single emotion or opinion or beat of your life. Mm. And I don't think it's necessary to do that. Like if you say, I really didn't like that thing. Well, okay, you didn't like it. It's, you know, comedy is a great example for this because people will say, that's not funny. That's not comedy. And you go, well, it clearly is because look, there's 10,000 people laughing at it. So clearly it is comedy. Yeah. You wouldn't, you would say, you say, I don't like classical music. Well, it doesn't mean it's not music. It's just yeah. not music that you like. Right. And the uh, the whole idea of saying something isn't a thing unless you endorse it, you personally, one has to it either, it, it's binary thinking. It is that yeah. one or zero, it's the is thinking like a machine. Yeah. It's on or it's off. And right. I don't understand. That's, that's the last thing we should be fucking doing. We have machines to do that for us. Right. We don't need to do that. Right. Yeah, no, it's, it's, I completely agree. And it is sort of an addict-y, and it's a narcissistic-y, yeah. almost a solipsistic. It's interesting that you use the word, and I use it myself too, and I want to talk a little bit about it. No, narcissist. <laughs> yeah, sure. Narcissist is an interesting one, because people, it's a very hot ticket word to use right now. It's like, oh, he's a narcissist. That, you know, he's kind of just a dick. You sure. Know, uh, um, I, I have a lot of thoughts about this. Well, there's narcissistic personality disorder. Now I sound like I am a doctor. No, that, that is a real thing. That's of course thing. it is. Absolutely. And then there are narcissistic tendencies. But I think we could would all do well. What's interesting about that is experts in the field from the books that I've read would say that it's good to have some characteristics of narcissistic tendencies, meaning sure. some of them are, there's like healthy levels of narcissism. That, I like the where this is going. So what you're saying is that these conditions are unhealthy levels of something that, that's right. All right. So if you can get if you have some fat in your food, it's good. That's but right. if you have too much, then it's yeah, bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Once it gets to a point, and I forget what the list is, but this this will make you laugh. I was reading a book to see if people I'll be in, the judge of that. Uh, <laughs> this I was reading a book to see if people in my family were narcissistic. And then it's <laughs> listing the qualities of a narcissist and I'm like Oh, no. Oh, really? <laughs> For me. But anyone being honest, maybe that's not true. I can't speak to any other people. But I was like, I, I have a lot of, like, one of them was hey, like. you're a stand-up comedian. How can you not have, have some, some of that? You need sure. some of that. For you need sure. gas in the tank. Absolutely. But then my beloved Valerie, my beloved Valerie. But she was like. I no. must talk to you of my beloved <laughs> Valerie. <laughs> she was like, I take a lot of comfort in no, no one with narcissistic personality disorder goes, Oh no, am I a narcissist? Like that uh, that's, that's that's right. That's it's Catch almost, 22. 
It's a good thing. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's 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 catch twenty two. Is but like can, yeah. If you was it the, in catch twenty two, yeah. If you want to not fly these missions, you can't be crazy because you'd only be crazy to want to fly these missions. Yeah. I mean, it's, well, can I say I'm watching as we all are. I'm assuming every single person in America is mm-hmm. rewatching The Office at some point in their life. <laughs> Maybe not you, you <laughs> wild boy. Yeah. But yeah. I'm just saying. Angela Kinsey is a close personal friend. My Angela, I call her. In fact, Angela, the Angela from the show. Yeah. Oh, she's lovely. Oh, she's she's just the greatest girl. Is she really? Yeah, she's I sat just don't in that know very any... chair podcasting well, with me. Guess who's going to poach your guests? Yeah, she's <laughs> she's the she's the. The greatest. She's really? a, yeah, I'm she's so been happy over to, to visit that. me in Scotland. No way. Her husband Josh and the kids. Yeah, oh, that's beautiful. Oh, she's great. Well, she knows that. I'm sure people tell her all the time. It's almost like a disorder we all have. Like we all kind of have to be watching The Office. Here's my point, though. Michael Scott has a lot of narcissistic tendencies, mm. and they delight us. We like it. I was trying to say to somebody like, comedy is a little bit like you go to a restaurant, so they'll deep fry a Twinkie for you. It's not good for you, but you wouldn't do it. If you had to batter up a Twinkie and deep fry it in oil and you can see the ingredients and the fucking nutrition, but you want it and you like it. So Michael Scott is like a deeply narcissistic person and we love laughing at him. So to your point, cleaning everything up and making everybody agree isn't even what we really want. And we're back to our friend Young. We actually want what we don't want a lot of the time. It is the duality problem, isn't yeah. it? It's that, but I wonder if what we're doing is falling into the trap. Certainly, I've, I've fallen into this trap, and I might be doing it right now, is that, because I've talked to my, my oldest son about this. He's 22, and he's very, very clever. And he said, that, he said Dad, you, you're talking about 40 people on Twitter. I, I don't even fucking know what you're worried about. You know, what, 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 these opinions are so that, like, if you focus on that group of people, you're going to hear that group thing. I, mean, I don't, he, he seems to not be as incensed by opinions that fly at him from social media or, yeah. and I think young people are less bothered by it. You well, know, they grew up with it. I they mean, grew up with yeah. it. So it's the I see. I grew up with the the notion of the power of the written word. That if something was written down, it had an inherent value. Now, clearly, that's totally gone. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I believed that anything that was written down was worth at least your attention. Yeah. And of course, it's not anymore because everyone right. writes everything down, and that, and right. a lot of it's garbage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like talking now. Right. And some people can talk very well, and they say a lot of interesting things, and some people just. Or, or me talking now. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the classic. It doesn't really work, but you're like, if you could see the person who said something you didn't like, I'm talking about like a hater. Yeah, hate. yeah. If you could, not only, I don't mean to judge their life. I just mean, if you could see how thoughtlessly and how like, it's just something they do. It's like, yeah. eat shit, Craig Ferguson, you suck. <laughs> like, it was nothing. It was just a fart. Yeah. I, I look at social media as like, you're opening the window to the like Times Square, and it's just filled just with noise. And you're yeah. why are you listening to this? Why it's it, it goes against your instincts, particularly if you're a stand up, because you yeah. wouldn't well, you would let Seinfeld. a heckler do that. You it know? goes, Seinfeld goes, uh, he comes up a lot. We don't, comedy doesn't really need to be reviewed. It was reviewed the night we did it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and that's I, right. I love that. And that what that's what keeps it pure, and that's what keeps it. I'll tell you what Trace Atkins said about social media. Put down that bread? No. Trace Atkins, who is a country singer of of some uh, repute, he's a very uh, gruff gentleman. Yeah, that's the dude. Yeah. He was the guy. He's a hilarious guy. He's lovely. Uh, And he's wrestled with alcoholic demons. He did one of the most alcoholic things I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) He he had a fight with his own (laughs) lookalike. Oh my God. Oh my God. And I'm on a Trace Atkins cruise. That is. That's, that's about. That's about. If you, I think that's beautiful. If you pitch that, though, in a writer's room yeah. for a movie, I'd be like, I don't know. I don't know. If it's that a little happen. on the nose. Yeah, no, he, he it did happen. Yeah. He's fighting with himself. He's his own worst enemy. Yeah, I mean, all of it. But uh, Trace said, I asked him if, if he had uh, social media, and he said, no, I don't. And I said, what? Because he said, I said, you don't need to pay attention to all these people and them saying bad things. And he said, that's not how I see it. And I went, what do you mean? He said, only takes one turd in the pool for me not to get in. 
Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. When Dr. Sabah and I decided to do a skincare line together, he said to me, we are going to give women meaningful beauty. And I said, that's exactly right. We want to give women meaningful beauty, which means each and every product is meaningful. It has a, a reason to exist. It's efficacious. You're going to get results. And then you just go out and live your life. Meaningful beauty. Confidence is beautiful. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Hey, Doug Gottlieb here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making the now perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck, like a rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines the raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. With the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower further than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma, delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. With new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. When you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out the amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. <sighs> Celebrate the end of your workday with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as another busy Thursday flies by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Do you know this story? I, I'm, I'll be embarrassed if I told you this when you were on my podcast. But Father Greg Boyle? No, nope, I don't think about? you've told me this. Father Greg Boyle, who is a hero of mine and a friend, and a friend, what am I, a fucking spiritual name dropper? And sure. a friend. <laughs> but he, I mean, he's a friend to the world, really. Right. He, he started Homeboy Industries here in Los Angeles. Anyway, he wrote three books, and they're must-listens. One's called Tattoos on the Heart, one's called Barking to the Choir, and one's called The Whole Language. They're all masterpieces. He tells this story that Larry David went to Yankee Stadium and it was his birthday and they announced it. And however many tens of thousands of people are at Yankee Stadium, sold out game, they all stand up and sing happy birthday to Larry David. He's on the Jumbotron and he's waving. He, I'm sure he didn't love it, but also, you know, it's got to feel pretty good. Sure. To have the entire, like it seems like the entire city is singing happy birthday. And then he goes out after the game, as Larry tells it, he's walking to his car and someone drives by and goes, hey, Larry, you suck. Yeah. And that's all... He got from that night. Yeah. And there's actually some neuroscience to this. Shout out to Richard Rohr, another beloved friend of mine and a spiritual, he's a brilliant theologian. He talks about the Velcro Teflon theory. If if I say, Craig, and I mean this, you're a you're a generational talent. You're one of a kind. Who else is like you? These fucking improvised monologues, your your interview Scott, even right here, right now, and you're and you're writing, it's incredible. Like you're a you're something unique and sparkly and special. We see you. If you want to hold on to that, that's Teflon. You have to think about it and hold it and focus on it. I think the time is 30 seconds, which is <laughs> way longer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not going, and I'm not even asking you to. But if I say, I'm not, I'm not going to say the mean things because the way that mean things work is even if I don't mean them. They stick. Velcro. Yeah. That's fucked up. I've heard it described as narcissism in reverse like oh. looking to see the negative to get a kick out of what's cutting the, yeah but i actually think there's there's theological implications here as well i'm interested the garden of eden i think all you need is the garden of eden and the prodigal son i, I think okay. you can summarize the whole thing with the garden of eden and the prodigal son but the garden of eden is really i think it's a, a masterpiece especially when you consider it was probably written in like dragonfly blood on the back of a dead deer it's incredible it's how this, i write certainly <laughs> In Scotland, that's kind of, you know... That's when, what they sell at Staples. That, that's final draft. <laughs> <laughs> but the Garden of Eden, to me, and I've talked about this a lot, so forgive me if... No, expl of, explain it to me, because I haven't heard your theories on this, and I'm interested. I think it's saying that we would rather... So we're in the Garden. Okay. What is that? That's unitive consciousness. That's oneness. Okay. And what's the problem with oneness? It's identityless. 
There's no Craig in the oneness. Mm. It's perfect oneness. So God, perfect oneness, perfect wholeness, perfect peace. Not a lot of specialness going around. So there we were. Now this, this story falls apart because it's told in dualistic terms. But let's say in dualistic terms, I'm a naked man. Naked meaning not dressed. Naked without shame. Without shame, but also without identity. Mm-hmm. I don't have my red shirt. I mm-hmm. don't have my job. I don't have my car. I don't have my opinions, my thoughts, my beliefs. It's all gone. I'm naked. Then there's a woman. Then a snake comes. The snake is the ego. And the snake says, fuck this. Fuck this shit. You want to be in a fucking garden just humming and whisk the sucks. Eat from the tree of what? Good and evil. Yes and no. One and zero, binary, duality. Let's leave oneness. And what I like about it is that we chose it. What I like about the the myth is that it's not saying God didn't do it to us. He didn't kick us out. We wanted it. I think this is interesting. Mm -hmm. We, as an aspect of God, decided to play a little game. Let's eat the apple. Let's have a dream. A dream of what? Suffering, yes, but also glory. Pain, separation, but also specialness, shininess, you can be Craig Ferguson. Oh, there he goes. He's done his fucking thing. I did that to make you laugh, <laughs> to be bad at the voice. But so when I say when we're looking for that hit, we would rather be miserable and special than blissed out and vanish. Is what I'm saying? Yes. And? Yes, and the thing that I have... Because I, I, I think you're right in what you're saying. But what, what I think is quite interesting for me is that I have changed my opinion on a lot of things in the time that I have been traveling through since my inception and birth. So, like, for example, me 10 years ago even says to you, that is perfect. And me now says to you, is but I also add to you something else. And and what it is is this is that we choose it to relinquish it, to return to Oz was always there, Dorothy. The, oh, I the agree. return to Eden. Can I say that's the prodigal son part? Yes. Going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That which is great. I mean you're right. And I cut you off before the prodigal you didn't. son too. You're absolutely you didn't. right. No, I'm delighted. You're saying the second thing. The same part. thing, yeah, yeah, which is the you you got to come back. Uh, after Rumspringer, it's not Rumspringer if you don't go home. Uh, That's right. If it's if you stay out there, you're just a fucking junkie. But and if you go back, it was Rumspringer. There's, the part of the Garden of Eden story I think is completely ego-driven, meaning we made a God like us instead of the other way around. We made God in our image. Mm-hmm. We made him angry. We put angels with flaming swords, and we said, get the fuck out of here, and I'm going to punish you. That's all just our own guilt. I -hmm. think you could say for having left, who knows where the guilt comes from. Original sin, isn't it? The original sin would be like an original misunderstanding. You know what I mean? It's harmless. But even the word sin is misunderstood in contemporary usage. I agree. You know, the the, the idea that sin is some kind of a moral component. No, the sin is what separates you from God. Sin, you could say it's separation. It's it's sort of benign. Are you a student of Evagrius of Pontus? Pardon me? <laughs> Evagrius of Pontus is a, a desert theologian in the third century, right? Oh. One of the Egyptian... How'd I miss him? <laughs> yeah. I'm just kidding. Fabulous. I'm just kidding. Evagrius is he fabulous? Of, he's fabulous. He's a, a genius. He extrapolated from the theology of origin of Alexandria. He came up with what was called the eight thoughts, first characterized by the eight thoughts. And the eight thoughts were, you recognize them, Avarice, gluttony, lust, right? That became the seven deadly sins. And I think sadness was folded into sloth. Ah. Um, but sadness was one of the, the eight thoughts. And the thoughts that separate you, that are, they characterize them as they used to talk about them as being demons, that would separate you from God or wellness mm. or mm-hmm. the universe. They're separations. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And the idea of, the idea of sin having, like, you're naughty you're, or you're not naughty is much later in theology. It's, yeah. it's, it's much later on. It's, you know, it, the idea of... See, I think what happened to Christianity, and this is my recent theory about Christianity, I'm a big fan of Christianity 
up until about Constantine. Then I think it starts to go south. Mm-hmm. When Constantine co-ops Christianity as the official. Uh, the official religion of the Roman Empire, at that point, the equivalent today would be Starbucks opening at Burning Man. <laughs> that you take something which is, and it's already happened. It isn't Starbucks, but it's already yeah, 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 co-opted. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. already gone. Yeah, because I know about it. Right. Right. So it's. Uh, I'm not saying I know about things. I mean, if no. I know about it, it means it's already gone. I'm the sign that it's over. Right. If right. you see me at Burning Man, go. I guess it's the last one. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I think that that's you know something that was all about a thing became all about something else. It that's was right. co-opted. It that's was, right. and it was when. There's a great line, you know the movie, uh, The Great Rock and Roll Swindle, it's a, it's a kind of doc, mock documentary Julian Temple made about the Sex Pistols, and in it, Julian says to Malcolm McLaren before he gets, where did you get the idea for the Sex Pistols, the Great Swindle, where did you get the idea? Uh, and he said, when Elvis Presley joined the army. <laughs> and I thought it's such a cool kind of framing of it. Yeah, yeah, But the yeah. truth is, Elvis was who he was the whole time. It's just that you projected the image onto one thing, you make it a thing. Yes. And then it becomes something and you... That's right. And I, I'm going to... Richard Rohr can explain this much better than me, but I think it's 1032 is when we get like atonement theory. We start thinking of Jesus as this like, I'm going to pay your check sort of stuff. <laughs> it's like, oh, you're, you're evil yeah. and you're twisted. When, you know as Father Greg Boyle points out, that Jesus says, you're the light of the world. He doesn't say you're the light of the world. If you could just get fewer tattoos, Craig, what yeah. are you doing? <laughs> or stop saying fuck and shit yeah, and yeah. piss and stop playing with your dingaling and all that. Like, we want that, though. That's what we're doing here. I have this joke I'm working on. It's like, my God is is love. And I don't mean the emotion love. I mean like an ununderstandable yes, a spacious and simultaneously whole oneness that is beyond words, right? Yes, and. Yes, and. Brilliant. We can touch on it. We can reflect it here, but we can't really do much else. But I miss, and I do, when I thought God was mad at me. I really do. It was pretty fun. Like thinking, I I equate it to the Bourne movies, the Jason Bourne movies, like God's in the room with the computers, and they're like, he just... He's gone rogue. He had sex. Send the agent. Swarm. Swarm. (laughs) And I think we love that. Look at what we do. We make up teams and we fight them and we gamble and we make up money and we we love it. So we don't even have to be mad at it. But that's the prodigal son is your inheritance. So the prodigal son asks for his inheritance is, is consciousness, is awareness, is your God nature, which is looking out your eyes right now. Okay. (gasps) It's it's how you're hearing me. It's how you, it's it's everything. Right. It's how you know reality. We can do an experiment after this. It's so fun. Anyway, he says, "I'm bored at the kingdom, same as the Garden of Eden. I'm bored basically. I want my rumpspringa. It's nice that you're a king. I want to go and do stuff." And God says, "Okay." The king says, "Okay." Mm-hmm. Gives him his inheritance, and then he goes and he squanders it. Squanders is in quotes. There's no judgment in the story. He just goes and kind of implies that he has some sex. And Flesh pots of Egypt, I believe it says. Does it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he has some sex. Yeah. <laughs> and then he ends up working with the pigs, which for a Jewish man means the lowest of the low. That's right. his rock bottom. But yeah. what happens was, unlike the Garden of Eden, there are no flaming angels guarding, flaming angels, <laughs> angels with flaming swords guarding it. Spare the riff. Save your career. <laughs> I can't, Save I can't your help. career. You know what save, I'm thinking. No, we all know it. Let them think it. <laughs> You can't get canceled for what you let them think. (laughs) Oh, I don't know about that. (laughs) But what the prodigal son does that we're all here to do, and it's not sexy, it's not that interesting, it's not achieving enlightenment, it's not washing away your sins, he just remembers he's free to go home. He remembers that dad isn't mad. And it's the greatest story in the world, and it's not that great of a story, because we would rather he goes and... Like an Old Testament, not to put down the Old Testament, but like the father's like, you can come back, but you have to work for seven years in the field, like that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Mm. We don't do that anymore. He slaughters the fattened calf. He gives him new shoes. He gives him the best robe. He puts rings on his finger. That's the story. We don't like that story. God, My God doesn't talk shit, and that's all I'm here to do. Fucking Craig, you see, his fucking dumbass or whatever. And, and he's like, <laughs> he doesn't even know who Craig is. And I mean that in the best possible way. I'm very happy with that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you stop being scared that God 
we're talking about the untalkable. I can say God loves Craig in a certain way, and I can say in the in the ultimate reality, God is so busy loving you and being loved, he doesn't even know what you are. <laughs> like th that's not exactly right, but it's so bah, that it's almost offensive to us. We would rather he love Craig, but he just it, it just is. It's very, very wide and very difficult because the drive in contemporary society and us for as Americans in particular is for the individual. Yeah. And we think of the opposite of the individual as being the hive mind or communism or cultism. And it's not that either. Yeah. It is I think this is Moses talking about God is none shall God says to Moses, none shall see my face and live. Mm. It's not that you see me, you die. It's you can't come. It's you can't see. Craig can't come. Yeah. Which I'm sorry to interrupt. I'm just so excited. Yeah. I say this all the time. Pete can't come. Yeah. In fact, you're talking to Pete. That's one of the frustrations. In my book, I write, I, I, um, Pete isn't enlightened, but I am. <laughs> and that, I thought, when I wrote that, I was like, I've done it. That's it. That's how I feel. Pete's not enlightened. I'm going around just like everybody. Whatever you think unenlightened is. I get angry. I get horny. I get hangry. All that stuff. Mm. But there is a spacious quiet place that I can tap into and do. This is the example. Ramdas says, like, if Craig Ferguson comes and sits at the right hand of God, you know what that is? Schizophrenia. You can't come. Craig can't come. If you think I am Jesus Christ, that's, you're, you're now unstable, right? Unless you're Jesus Christ. Unless you're Jesus Christ. <laughs> but if you find the part of you that isn't you that is Jesus. But it's hard to talk about. Here's the ex example. So Rupert Spiro, who's, who's I've never met him, but he's my homeboy. He teaches non-duality, which is at the core of all of this, I think is sort of what we're talking about. God being oneness, this, this thing. And you being that at its core. And he explains it way better than I can. For those of you listening, and if I can't quite explain this, he wrote a book called Being Aware of Being Aware, which will take you about 20 minutes to read, but it'll just blow your mind. And every chapter is the same thing. He just says it a different way. It's incredible. He's also on YouTube. It's all just given away for free on YouTube. He's amazing. British guy. Not what you would expect to be like a teacher. He's like, he looks like, you know, something from Wind in the Willows. But anyway, he's incredible. This, is, this isn't going to be like a, a massive point, but he talks about like, who or what is it that is aware of, of your experience? That is the question. When we say, who am I? And I heard that my whole life. The most important question you can ask is, who am I? But I thought that meant like, figure out Craig's peccadilloes. I like coffee. I don't like tea. I like, you it's know. It's like you know me, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what that means. What does it mean there? Who am I behind what is essential to your identity? Because when you were a child, maybe you didn't like coffee. Now you do. So the, everything's changing. You were talking about your opinions changing. Your body changes. Your location changes. All this stuff isn't essential to you. So what's essential to you? It's, it's also not your thoughts or your feelings. But change. Change is the law of God's mind, and resistance to it is the source of all pain. I like that. Who said that? Me. When did you say it? Right now. That now is over. It's a new now. <laughs> Without explaining it, he talks about the knowing that you are. So when you, I used to do a joke like this. I would like sing happy birthday in your head. Mm -hmm. How are you hearing that? That's your awareness. Are you your thoughts? Are you the spacious field in which they appear? You must never do acid. I love it. Do you really? <laughs> no, no, I haven't done acid in a long time, but I have done it. I, I, I would think it would be bad for you. Really? Mm. Mm. Not in my experience. Yeah. Did you do it combining it with Guinness? No. No, that's what I did. That's probably where I went wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Alcohol and acid are a very bad combination. He talks about the knowing part of you, the part that knows. So I see that and something, we never talk about it. Something knows what it sees and interprets it. Mm -hmm. So he talks about that being like the screen of a movie that isn't colored or changed by what happens on the movie. So identify with the screen, I, with that knowing presence. So the thing that I was going to do with you is if you close your eyes, he just did that. I, I just okay, watched close my eyes. If you close your eyes and mm -hmm. get in touch with the like, it's going to be hard for me to do because I'm talking. Mm -hmm. But if you get in touch with the tingly sensation, imagine that you're a, a newborn baby. Okay. 
no past. Mm-hmm. This is your first moment. Mm-hmm. So you don't know you have a body. Okay. And now I'm going to talk to you like you have a body. Get in touch with the, put your attention on the tingly sensation of, of your mouth, like that you have mm-hmm. a mouth and just feel it. You can kind of, mm-hmm. this is a phenomenon that we should be talking about all the time. You can kind of spotlight your awareness and put it on your lips and your mouth. And because you have nerve endings there, you can feel it. Mm-hmm. And you can ask yourself, where does that sensation show up? And, and because you don't know anything, you'd go, well, it shows up here, right? There's no place. It's just like, I feel it here. But then if we say, now feel your hands, you and I both know that your hands aren't near your eyes are open, you cheater. Your no, hands but I, I, was, I mean, I, I, you I love it. I do. Your hands are far from your mouth. Right? Right. But when you close your eyes and you just point your awareness to the tingly sensation in your hands, where does that sensation show up? Also here. There's oh, no I distance between mean. your mouth and your hands. You could do it with your feet as well. Also here. A, a, a distant sound. Where does that show up in you? Here. It's like you're a piece of paper and everything's written on that piece of paper and you're the paper. I find that quite anxiety provoking what you're Tell describing. Tell me why. I'm not entirely sure. I think because it probably, it feeds into me an idea of when I was struggling with alcohol and coming out from, you know, trying to get off of it, I would experience disassociation, Mm -hmm. very great amounts of panic and lack of physical context with where I was in the world. And it reminds me of that. Uh, Craig, you're not nuts. Most nights if I get up to pee and I'm vulnerable... Sometimes these thoughts occur to me as well. And, and what's happening, I'm, I'm not saying to you, what's happening to me is this resistance. Again, that goes back to like, no, no, no I, I want to I be a, a body and hands and it helps me know. And you start to freak out until, and I haven't, I'm not fully cooked, until you start to trust of what you are a part of and know that to be a loving and say, Father, that's the prodigal son again. We're, we're both prodigal sons. We're with the pigs. And we know that our hands and our lips are showing up here. And everything is made of awareness. You know, I've touched the table and I feel that here. And it's all here. And we're still not quite ready to go home. No, not yet. That's what we're doing here. Mm-hmm. Here's the good news. Big fucking deal. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. So, uh, do you have a special coming up? <laughs> <laughs> and it's filled with hand job jokes and jizz jokes. You know what's so weird about me, man? I, I enjoyed talking about this with you, and I, I, I certainly don't have any of it figured out. But here we are promoting my, my Netflix special. <laughs> 1024 on Netflix. It's called I Am Not For Everyone. You should have called it Fleshpots of Egypt. Fleshpots of Egypt. Yeah. As the prodigal son. No, just flesh pots of Egypt. I, I just, as, as we talked about it, and I remember that line, flesh pots of Egypt, and I thought, God. Does it mean vagina? Probably. Yeah. Um, but it could not mean that. Hosea 3.8 is my favorite Bible verse. And what it is goes, that? What Go. Is it? It's, it's talking to the prophet Hosea. goes, and he's talking to, I don't know who he's talking to, but it's God. And he says, go show love to your wife or something. Like the Lord your God shows love to the Israelites, though they turn to false gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. Oh, wow. And I'm like, what the fuck are sacred raisin cakes? I give it a Google. I think it means anal. Does it? <laughs> Some scholars say it means butt stuff. Uh, well, you know, there's a bit of that around. Even back then, there was, there was butt behavior. It. People loved it. Do you know what I like in the Bible? Is that well, there's quite a lot of it I like and quite a lot of it. I'm like, I don't know where you're coming from with this, but yeah. But there's a line in it that's uh, I think Solomon said it, who uh, was apparently a bit of a, a wise ass. He said, None suffers like he who tarries too long at the wine. Mm. And I'm like, Yeah, fuck, I, I hear you, Solomon. Yeah, I, I hear, hear you, you, buddy. You tarried a little too long, Solly. Uh, I hear you. All right, uh, Pete, it's always a trip. Am I leaving you freaked out? I no, I'm going to have this exact same conversation with Jay Leno this afternoon. There's a thing in the Bible. Put your awareness on your chin. <laughs>
Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Hi, I'm Gabby Reese. Join me and my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton, on our journey with Laird Superfood. From our kitchen to yours, we've crafted delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and so much more using high-quality functional ingredients. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 for 20% off your first order.